episode 100 where we talked about Psycho that was really important and it's a significant movie it's a landmark cinema uh, but we are at the after party now hang on guys Reed is in the Reed is in the crowd somewhere we just gotta I know it's really loud in here you know the music's playing really loud I gotta go find he's over oh he's over in the corner over there okay let's let's, let's weave our way through the crowd and hey Reese Reed I know you're doing the thriller dance buddy hey buddy where hey I got I brought the, I know, I know, buddy. Sing it, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh. Hey, what's up? Come on, come on. Hey, buddy. Yeah, hey. it's you. I, I, you you wandered off once we got. Yeah, here, you know? I can't. I just love a party. The Uber dropped us off, and then it then it then it drove into the swamp behind the, <laughs> behind the club, and uh, and uh, you know, but but hey, you know, I uh, I guess it's okay, <laughs> you know. And uh, so, when, but when we got here, you just kind of wandered off into the crowd, which hey, I don't blame you. It's a. It's I've a been talking to party. listeners. I know it is the fear of God episode 101 yeah. brother you know we, we put all that formality all that professionalism of the last hundred plus episodes behind us it is no longer stayed is no longer you know buttoned wow. up we are we're here to party brother <laughs> I don't know about you but here I'm to here bring to party. the party um so you know we we brought everybody along the last however many episodes that they've been with us and and we're just gonna have a big conversation uh everyone thank you for coming as you may or may not know, if this is your very first Fear of God episode, we're at episode 101. And specifically, we are not talking about a specific movie today. We are talking about the entirety of the Fear of God history. This is a little special episode. Little. This is going to be a big episode. <laughs> um, you know, we got a lot of listener feedback and we really want to spend some time hearing from you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. Um, the engagement y'all have offered, the, the just willingness to, to trade your time, your valuable time to hang out with us each week. So we wanted to reward you guys, um, with just a really fun episode where we kind of dive deep on, you know, a little bit of behind the scenes, a little bit of just your guys' questions, but read. Oh, it's, it's going to be great. It's a hundred. It's a hundred one. Yeah, you're brother. gonna what you're what you're in you store know? for is you're gonna hear some comments from listeners who have responded to some of the questions that we posed. We're gonna answer some questions that listeners submitted. You're gonna hear clips from previous episodes. You know, we're still we're still there's gonna be a lot of new material, but uh, but you're gonna hear some some old uh, classics, uh, classic moments, as it were. Maybe not quite a greatest hits, but, uh, but certainly <laughs> uh, some popular moments. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. I'm excited. Our listeners are here. I'm excited you're here. But Nathan, I gotta. So first, so first Reed. of all, before we dive into this, I mean, just and uh, normally this is where I cue you up for what you're watching, reading, listening to. But I'm just asking, like, we're at 101, man. Like, just real talk, read to Nathan. Like, 
how do you feel, buddy? Yeah, nobody else. <laughs> nobody else listening. I feel I good, feel, man. Like this is I crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize. Like last year, we didn't we didn't mention it, but last week, so our very first episode aired on August twenty third of twenty sixteen, and last last week's episode wow. aired on August twenty first. So almost two. This is you know one week later, but the, you know almost two years to the date. Hello, and welcome to The Fear of God, Episode 1. I want to thank you for listening. My name is Reed Lackey. And this is Nathan Rouse. And this is, again, the first episode of our show. It was interesting because I've been a co-host for for more than one lesson now for for probably about a year, um, and I've been a guest on it a few times before that. But it wasn't that long ago that I kind of had this idea for another show. And uh, that basically was an idea of exploring two things that don't always seem to to have much relationship with each other, uh, but two things that I'm very passionate about and love a great deal. And that is um, the horror genre, as well as Christianity. I don't know, man. I think those feel like natural bedfellows, you know? (laughs) Two great tastes that taste great together, if you will. Exactly. So guys, we are we are just we we did solicit over the last couple of weeks. Although at this point, over the last a uh, couple of weeks ago, um, you know, time works funny in the free of God. <laughs> um, um, you know, we we solicited uh, uh, y'all's responses, and we got some really great material um, from you guys on some of your favorite bits and bobs of the show's history. Reed, do you want to start? Like, just start walking down. Well, this I think path? we need to acknowledge before we do that. I think we need to acknowledge our typical opening, um, which you what? handcrafted. What? What opening? The, the the way we open every single episode of the show. This is your fault. Is is we do <laughs> the way we open every single episode of the show is not by your traditional like, "Hey guys, I'm Reed and you're Nathan," and blah blah blah. I mean, occasionally we we pull that gag, but to my complete surprise, you asked. I'll never forget. We were doing that. John Carpenter profile, and Uh that was a day, peek behind the curtain, listeners, that was a day. We recorded all four of John Carpenter's episodes in the same day. I had the day off work. My wife happened to be out of town. Um, Nathan was free for the recording sessions, and so we recorded, if you go back and listen, all four of the John Carpenter profile episodes, episodes um, uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10, were all recorded in the same day. We did them all together. and when you Which opened- makes perfect sense why The Thing went on to become the champion of Monster <laughs> Mash 2018, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's okay. And so, yes, episode 8, The Thing, you asked, can I open this one? Because we had done a big marathon and you were like, can I open this one? Because I opened the first like seven. and so, Or no, sorry, the thing was episode nine. And uh, and you're like, can I open this one? And then uh, I did and you decided to pretend I wasn't there. You decided <laughs> to pretend that, and you were like, typically with me is Reed, but he got, and I think, I haven't listened back to it before this, but I think you said something like, he watched the thing and he got so sick I can't remember exactly how you opened the bet, but uh, but I absolutely do. Uh, I remember how uh, that that just set the. Trend and you know for what's the show. really funny? You know what's really funny about that? Like peek behind the curtain for everybody right now. That was inspired in large part. I love you dearly, and you've grown out of this, and so I can say it. You <laughs> wanted to do this profile of John Carpenter, and goodness gracious, it was like you're reading the Wikipedia entry every episode. Like, man, it was so Reed, true. It's so Reed true. is like deep diving on John Carpenter. I am falling asleep. Uh, you know, I I I am not talking because I don't know anything about John Carpenter. And my <laughs> my desire to open the episode was simply to be able to talk. 
<laughs> so, yes, and then it began and then like it started this whole pattern where that like that like uh I, when you opened the episode then i would you know be off on some adventure somewhere right and then i started opening the episodes and clearly had this deep-seated desire to kill you off i don't know um, that <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah hey Reed, what you know we we are going to play with the, uh, we're in the, uh, we were on the dance club floor, but we're going to sneak up to the booth. Okay. And we're going to mess around with the master control board. <laughs> and, uh, you know, why don't you, you know, it's while the producers, um, uh, uh, lead Racky is out of the room. Man, this is so <laughs> awesome. All these deep cut fear of God references. Um, while lead Racky's out of the room, why don't you, <laughs> why don't we mess around and remind the listeners of some of these like, intros because they're awesome so let's let's listen to it um this is nathan rouse typically with me is co-host and dear friend reed lackey but um someone fed him after midnight last night they weren't paying attention i am nathan rouse and typically with me is reed lackey but unfortunately i unfriended him um, this is Nathan Rouse, uh, one of your faithful co-hosts. Typically with me would be Reed Lackey, but he said, he, strangely, for a 36-year-old guy, he got invited to a prom, which blows my mind a little bit, you know? I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm happy. A little weird. Um, this is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. Typically with me is Reed Lackey. Unfortunately, at the moment, he is perched atop a small statue also called a bust and quoth the lackey nevermore just kidding there you are reed welcome back to the show how are you my friend (laughs) your co-host nathan rouse typically with me is just old friend reed lackey um he was here a second ago he said something about some Chianti and some fava beans, some sort of snack or whatever he wants to have. You know, I, I occasionally have a beverage of choice. Um, typically with me is just old college roommate, uh, best man at my wedding, Reed Lackey. He said something about his whole body just quivering with cleanness. And then he just jetted out of the frame. I really don't, I really don't know what. With you right now is one of your favorite hosts, Nathan Rouse. Your other favorite host, Reed Lackey is finishing up in grandma's bathroom. And, you know, typically with me is long time buddy, all around swell fella, Reed Lackey. Um, but he said something about wanting to go get ready for our first tubby together. And I really, I mean, that's, it's a little weird. Usually with me is Reed, but like right now, you guys can't see this, but he is straight up dancing naked, showing his trivial bits. I mean, it is, I don't know what to make of what is happening. Reed! (laughs) This this is... This is already beyond the pale. You wanted to watch this movie. Any, <laughs> you, next thing I oh my, I don't have a recovery plan for your nonsense. Like of all of the things that you could have had me be doing, Ooh. like oh. <laughs> oh man. Okay. 
So guys, that's what that's what this episode is going to be about. We're going to do some walks down memory lane and um, we're going to hear from you guys. So so should we start there, Reed? Should we hear from them a little bit? Yeah, yeah, let's go. We we asked a question. And and I I wrote this question. I was really proud of it. It was either kind of one-off gags, you know, like an, an independent one-moment thing or ongoing bits. So yeah, I, you know, we can cover a lot of ground by just saying a lot of you really love David S. Pumpkins. That was a really wonderful yes. introduction to the show. Thank you. We love David S. Pumpkins. Maybe someday we'll get Tom Hanks on the show. Um, oh, that'd be great. Two specific ones. Good old Robert Bradford in Charlotte, North Carolina. On his favorite bits and gags responses, he said, I'll never watch Alien again without feeling sad for the poor xenomorph who just wants a hug. Uh, a tiny tossed tossed off gag oh so a second one he says a tiny tossed off gag uh, was in summarizing the blood test sequence in John Carpenter's The Thing The Thing keeps coming up Um, it sure does we we reiterated the phrase here's the thing multiple times Uh, during that episode and he said it makes him chuckle every time he hears it that's awesome that's awesome. one other I'm, I'm gonna throw one other out and then i'm gonna let you take the reins on your sure, favorite sure. listener responses so uh shout out matt murray some of you will hear your names multiple times throughout this episode thank you for your responses these these are deep cuts and matt's an astute listener that his favorite bits and gags because he's a sadistic sob were <laughs> the, the moment that you and i read realized we'd watched different endings to the descent um, oh my gosh, that episode, it lives in infamy in backstage <laughs> conversation. <laughs> oh my because, gosh. Because, see, what listeners may not intuit is I often feel like the, you know, I'm playing catch up to Reed's encyclopedic sort of horror consumption. You know, maybe it's why <laughs> I why I overcompensate with absolute ridiculous frivolity. But so 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 then when a moment like that happens where... What do you mean there's two different endings of the movie? The one of which you got completely determines or undermines the other's point of view. Right. That was a really right. that was a really major moment in the history <laughs> in the history of fear of God. That's that's like a gaff. That is a serious gaff uh uh that thank you for bringing up Matt. You're <laughs> a, a jerk. The other one that Matt decided to bring, he really wanted to dig the knife here, twist the knife rather. Is Oh my gosh. He wrote yes. The slow realization that Nathan and Reed were on complete opposite ends in their response to Stranger Things too. That that was that was a te- <laughs> that, was a te- that was a test of friendship if ever one existed for Reed and I because we thought, hey, you know what? This would be fun if we just don't talk about our responses to that show before we record. And that was unwise. See, we did not because, realize at because the time what that we was had so such fu- despairing views of the of the show. We can see this is a good thing because you guys get to hear just an example of the Reed and Nathan friendship on air that more or less is how it exists in the real. What you don't hear in that episode <laughs> is, the Dude. Part, is the part where I said, Reed, I, I kind of feel like I'm getting beat up here. <laughs> <laughs> because what Reed I and I have a tendency yes. to do, yes, yes you did, because you're, you're a good friend. Um, what <laughs> Reed and I have a tendency to do is because we can be quite opinionated about our media consumption. And well, I say I say that in defense of us, we're actually pretty good. And maybe it was Stranger Things that was a, 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 a benchmark for our learning to do this. But we can be pretty opinionated, and sure. when we are both passionate about that opinion, we can really dig in, dig our heels in, and that started to happen in real time. 
yes, live it in, did. in a live recording where That's why that episode's three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> where you were like, "What do you mean you don't like it?" And I was like, "Why are you being an idiot?" You know, it's <laughs> yes. So yes, Stranger Things too. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt, for the shout outs there. Awesome. Yes. And now I'm just going to throw the microphone at the screen and just walk. <laughs> um, we got a couple of other fun ones here. Um, I just want to shout out uh, Gregory Gale email emailed us and said he also loves the lost co-host bits where it's like typically with me is is Reed or Nathan. But he said his favorite was the creep. And I thought, you know, shout out tubby time, <laughs> which I thought was really, really funny. Um, but then I also wanted to give some love to Brent Westerink, uh, who said, I don't think I can look at a poster, trailer, or watch It Follows without giving a shout out to Jimmy. It pairs a few scares with laughs and we're watching it again and I gotta love it. Um, he also mentioned the Lost Co-host thing, which is great. Um, but one of my favorite things that people brought up, uh, and, and we'll let listeners hear a bit of this right now, but one of my favorite things that, uh, brought up was, uh, I think Jeff Hansen mentioned that he just loved old Scatman Carruthers getting axed <laughs> in The Shining. I think that has to be one of the biggest times that we just corpsed right on, right on, on air, uh, as it were. We just completely At lost, the same time. lost it Let's- all. Let's hear that, Reed. Okay, here it is. Yes, no, I totally agree. I think Scatman Carruthers' Dick Halloran is fantastic. I yeah. think, yeah, I think he's he get, he delivers a wonderful <laughs> performance. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the actor's name when I thought you were just about to start scatting. I was like, please, Jesus, <laughs> let that be what's happening right now. I was like, what is happening? Skip it, 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 <laughs> you got the shining, yep, 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 shining. But right. but it's like King does this often, where it's like somebody is geared up to show up and save the day, and then when they come in, now maybe they move the plot forward in terms of provide some opportunity for our hero to ultimately get away or whatever. But <laughs> um, but but yeah, like poor Dick Halloran, he does not, uh, he does he not survive, and he's just like. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I just looks down at it. Just falls over. I can't do this. The visual that I just had. Of poor Scatman Crows, God rest his soul. hardest that i have ever laughed on the show oh my Um. (laughs) (laughs) what do you find scary it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) all right yes scatman carruthers that that poor fella just (laughs) taking that uh, to the chest so read all right so we've heard from everybody else like you know what are what are a couple of your favorite bits or gags read i'm curious you and i like listeners you may think this clearly now 
we learned a little bit of a lesson with Stranger Things too. But on pretty innocuous stuff that doesn't have friendship on the line, <laughs> um, we don't pre-brief each other on exactly what each other's responses are. So I don't actually know what you're going to say. So what are what no. are a couple of your favorite moments? Okay, so I'm going to mention two things. I'm gonna, there's lots of funny moments. I love David S. Pumpkins. I love the little what you're watching thing. Uh, I've loved so many of our little funny bits and, and jokes. One that does not get referenced very much, but we came to mind when I was, you know, like, earlier today that I wanted to mention is I love the momentary like when we were pointing out in Batman Returns of all things about how the man the animals in Batman Returns are, are apparently <laughs> magical <laughs> and, and <laughs> my, fa- my favorite thing about that is when you you had in your notes you had in your notes where you were like I love that the penguins just like carry him down to the water and I said well don't forget they raised him. <laughs> it was so great. It was so great. But what listeners don't know is that occasionally, occasionally, there is a little bit of a uh, little bit too hot for radio, a little, little bit too controversial. And so, uh, so I'm going to share a never before aired oh, funny I bit. Know Just, this is. It's, ex- <laughs> it's exclusive to this episode. So, <laughs> it's exclusive to this episode. But I remember when you when we were covering the Wicker Man, you <laughs> you rattled That's on my list right now. I'm looking at it. <laughs> you rattled off. You must have rattled off like 15 different perverse things related to that movie that I was supposedly off doing on my in your typically with me co-host yes, run. But then yes, what was so amazing? What was so bad though was that like after you referenced a whole bunch of those, then there was this joke where you were talking about uh, like the teacher was teaching something and they were getting like right <laughs> into the heart of it and you used the statement you said boy they really don't beat around the bush and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was so mad at you for cutting it <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are some of your favorite uh, what are your some some of your favorite bits or jokes or maybe oh uh, well that you just you did that was it I, I will never I cannot top <laughs> what you just shared with everybody. <laughs> um, it's funny in my rundown before us recording of my favorite bits and gags, Wicker Man opening. Literally, I'm staring at it right now. Oh it's my the top gosh. Of the list. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I love Tubby Time. That, that was really all fun. our Tubby Time spent. Right. Today. I think if I'm thinking purely pound for pound, an episode I take great joy in listening to and not from a like theological. This is literally just if I need to have my heart soar from you know maybe a bad day is i will just turn on the fly oh my gosh and yes there is i don't know man there was something in the water that day and god we have so much fun with that episode. that is that is a really fun episode that was really especially the first like two-thirds of it good lord oh my yeah, gosh yeah it's hysterical that's it that's it i will say i did re-listen i was you know both reed and i have been pouring over previous episodes the Shape of Water, the Shape of Water opening 30 minutes is really oh fantastic. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Especially my infamous double, you know, kind of second guessing myself about the era that the movie takes place in. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You're like, speaking of 80s, this is. This. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so uh, great. great. Which I won't spoil in case they people... say, here's the thing. <laughs> yes. No, they don't. And um, so uh, I, I would love, like, we should write this down. I would, nobody steal this. 
go don't don't leave this in the pod read someone's gonna steal this idea we should do <laughs> an epi- typewriter right <laughs> we should do a story of alien but it's all from his perspective he's just like you know this is how he gets born it just is you know like i'm here everybody and they're all like looking at him all aghast and he's like oh gotta get out of here you know and then when dallas shows up he's like hug i want to hug you know oh my gosh and he's just ultra affectionate yeah. and unfortunately has a really lethal kiss yeah yeah <laughs> you said you did see it in the theater right yeah did you notice that it has a different ending she rolls down the window, vomits out the car, looks back, sees her friend bloodied sitting in the car with her, screams, credits roll. Wait a minute. Is that how your film ended? Well, talk a little more. Okay. So then immediately following that, it shows you that she was only dreaming and that she's back in the cave that she no, looks up. Not, and she's, No, I've, I've never seen that scene. Wow! Yeah, so the version that I saw has that completely what? other ending tacked onto it. Yeah, and 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 the moment that in, in, a, in a true sense, like I just love. It's like oh, the, these penguins are just sort of just sort of oh yeah, ushering him down to the water. Well, let's not forget they raised him. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, like you. <laughs> True. I had forgotten. How could I forget such a thing? You're kind of burying the lead on on these. Like, like, oh yeah. How did he develop speech? I know. I I don't know. I believe the penguins could carry him. After that, anything is possible in this city. I'm just like, what in the world? Yeah, so so Gotham... You're right. Yeah, I had forgotten that. That's a crucial point. Gotham animals are magic. Yes, they are. That's just what they are. The answer to the question is how well did season two of Stranger Things give you what you hoped for out of ten? You ready? Okay. You got it. Yeah. On three. One, two, three, four. Eight. Really? Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is gonna be this is gonna be such a fun conversation. This is gonna be such a fun conversation. Eight. Eight. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um so so the follower. Is that's just too? It's too. It's too clinical. You know, he needs like a, like a Jimmy. You know, like Jimmy. Oh, y- you want to you want to call him. the thing that's following her Jimmy? Do you? That's that's what you want to call him. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than the follow. Um, so so, <laughs> so oh, Jimmy. Man. Jimmy takes the shape of the neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry. go ahead. Keep going. It's, it's fine. I'm trying. Um. So, Jimmy takes. <laughs> oh, oh man! <laughs> Do it. So, so the monster. The monster. I yeah. Okay. The, mon- the right monster. <laughs> See, that's what. <laughs> that's what he does. He doesn't want you to call him a name. So, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> the monster uh, takes the shape of the neighbor boy who's been helping them. I, I can't. It doesn't matter. What's what's your scariest part right now? <laughs> right now, it's a uh, it's a glorious time. It's a glorious time to be to have been Speaking raised in the eighties. This movie took place in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that just happened. Turns out, I really am just dumb. I'm not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any trivial bits this time around uh, no i mean i did see that so i um, think i'm surprising you that i did some research too and i'm, I'm echoing some of your things here yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. i wasn't expecting for you to be like i saw that I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah so i have two more just um fair warning i may i may say tim burton yeah tim burton was on board to direct it yeah, yeah I read that's that too. Right. you did see that look at that why am i even talking to you <laughs> <laughs> you can start I don't know my this- sandwiches in a <laughs> I don't know if this means now that you're going to forbid me from reading anything about the movies or what, but you know. <laughs> no, of course not. That's just so funny. Because now you're just um, going to start sounding like, uh huh. So, yeah, so, so, you know, say it with me about the letter that, J- that Jeff Goldblum <laughs> wrote to Vincent Price about the movie. <laughs> So say it with me about yeah, that way. He, he, he said, he did that. And what did In Vincent fact, Price say, Nathan? You know what's he said, go for it, Jeff. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's not what he said. I said, I said, I'd rather see a back lady get her face disintegrated by Flyman Barf than watch this. <laughs> and the, ladies and gentlemen, the David S. Pumpkins metrics is changing. It's now gonna be it's now gonna be levels of what you'd like what you'd like. <laughs> What you'd like to see Brundlefly barf on. <laughs> oh, but then I forgot completely about the transformation. So oh, it starts yeah. happening and I'm just like, oh, God, where's a bag lady I can barf on? <laughs> I'm just picturing you sitting here watching that movie. Listeners can't see your face, but I can just picture you sitting like, oh my God, why did I ever it's like, it's like in Monsters, Inc. when Sully thinks he's watching Boo get incinerated <laughs> by the thing. I'm so picturing you. Well, and, um, you know, so yes, some favorite fun bits, gags. You guys are awesome. Thank you for, um, those of you who contributed that segment. Um, you know, something that just kind of organically developed, um, and, and you could argue that this entire episode is its own version of this is the what you're watching, reading, listening to segment. Um, I, I had the pleasure recently. Uh, because Reed, I, I'm going to give my my brother Reed props. So Reed has gifted me in such a great way over the last two years with primarily just showing up. Um, <laughs> you know, like I just I show up, I turn on the mic. He teaches me how to use it. Now that I know how to use it, even then I'll occasionally screw up. Um, but Reed does a heck of a lot of legwork uh, on the production side um, in terms of editing. So just of late, our our our, our family life cooled down a little bit after a, a major move and I was really emphasizing to him, Hey, I want to sort of do some more to be helpful to you. Cause you do a whole lot. And one of those things was combing through old episodes, looking for what you're watching, reading, listening to clips and just what a great joy it has been to like, look at this weirdo, <laughs> weirdo, like inclusion that became its own, just took on a life of its own. Because, because clearly, if, if you haven't been paying attention, Reed and I consume a lot of media, generally speaking, uh, a subset of which, a, a large subset, but a subset of which happens to be uh, horror inspired. 
And we just were like, hey, we both have microphones in front of each other. We enjoy talking about this stuff anyway. We may as well talk about these other things, too, at least in abbreviated fashion. Thus beget what you're watching, reading, listening to. And I mean, early on. Oh, yeah. Is when the song develops. Like, oh man, then you you should take full credit for the song too. Like you are, you are responsible <laughs> for that song. You're welcome. <laughs> so it's in great. the spirit, so so we didn't do a formal what you're watching this episode because hey, we are right now. We are. It's very meta. We are the ones you're listening <laughs> to right now. But we did want to just walk you down the path. Let's you know turn turn those ears on. Turn the turn the speakers up in the car. Roll the windows down and enjoy a lovely rendition, multiple versions of it, of what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to. What you're watching, what you're reading. 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 What you're listening to. Wow. It's this. What you watching? <laughs> what you reading? What you listening to? <laughs> what you watching? What you reading? And what you listening to? What you watching? I gotta know. What wow. you reading and you listening to? What you watching? <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like that Ray Stevens song. It's stupid. It's me again, Mark. <laughs> I can't believe you just made that reference. What you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? Something like that. That's you know? the one we're using right there. This little blooper that you just. What you watching? What you reading? <laughs> what you watching? What you reading? <laughs> What you listening to? <laughs> what you watching? Mm-hmm. What you reading? Ooh. What you listening to? <laughs> what you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? Wow. What you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? Wow. What you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? Wow. Reed has been traipsing around his old Church of God stomping grounds. <laughs> what you watching, what you reading, what you listening to, what you watching, what you reading, what you listening to, what you watching, what you reading, what you listening to. Oh my goodness. And the truth is in here. <laughs> Uh, what you're reading. What are you listening to? <laughs> you can tell two things. What you watching. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what you reading. Please stop. 
What you listening to? That's my Bob Dylan. I just gotta know what you watching, what you reading, what you listening to. Wow. What you watching, what you reading, listening to, what you watching. What you reading, listening to? Hey, read what you watching, read, listening to. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. I love it. Tell me. What you what you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? What you what you reading? Listening to. <laughs> what is what is that? It's, it's tiptoe through the tube. Oh well, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My horrible rent. What yeah, you watching? <laughs> what are you reading? Read. What are you? What reading? are you? What are you listening to? <laughs> ah! When you when you don't get the voice, just just yell, just. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I did. <laughs> 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 By the way, real time, yeah. real talk, that lovely little that you do yep. or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I hate that. I love you. You can keep doing it as long as you want to. But boy, that drives me nuts. <laughs> well, do you like, let me, let me test a few out from the history of the show. Okay. Don't, so there's, don't, don't do that. There's. Oh my gosh. And then there's. Wow. And then taking it all the way back to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there was also. I knew you were going to slurp. <laughs> I knew you were going to slurp and ruin my night. That part, that part in Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode. Oh my God, it's hysterical. When, when you, oh, when you mean you. the part where I'm trying to talk and you won't <laughs> Yes, that part, say it, tell it. And you won't stop slurping over top of me. Please I'm drop that in here. I know you were playing it. I okay. didn't drop that in here. <laughs> okay, listeners, why don't you just take a listen right here? Why don't you just take a listen? Right here? And right. I was like, oh. Well, I, I'll tell you the one word I wrote down for that scene was. Oh. oh. <laughs> I just. No. No, Nathan Rouse. No. Yes. Yes. They cut her finger and he's oh. like sucking on it. He's like, oh my gosh. But then that's the, like, it's, it's, so it's so, it, you better stop. <laughs> I ain't even playing. You better stop. <laughs> making, making that soupy sound with your mouth. <laughs> The beautiful nature of that moment was, was uh, re- audience members don't know that occasionally our Skype goes a little wonky, and I was like, certainly he's hearing this, because I'm just doing it over and over and over. And I'm just trying to ignore it. I'm just pressing through. I'm just like, stop it, stop it. Yes. Oh, man. Yes, Oh my gosh. Oh. oh okay. Real time, real time editing on the fly. Woo. Oh my gosh. Uh, that is so we were talking about we were talking about what you watch and read and listen to, and we got yes. diverted by yes. some slurping. Um we did reach out to you guys and inquire directly of y'all. Like we share a lot of what you watch and read and listen to on the show. We wanted to know some of what you guys are absorbing 
to be because like this is what this is about you know in in any world in which we can call this a community aspect thing that we do here at the fear of god we want to learn from you guys as well we want y'all to be able to learn from each other so we did ask hey what are y'all watching what are y'all reading what are y'all listening to a lot of you gave some really great responses we won't be able to do all of them but we'll probably post all of them on the facebook group sometime very soon but we did want to do a rundown of some of what you responded to Reed, did you have any off the top of your head that yeah you i had uh, i had really just just uh three that i wanted to mention just really briefly first one i'll take is uh blake collier our favorite uh person to pick on on the podcast friend of the show been on the show on the it episode um he recently finished reading lovecraft country by matt ruff but the reason i'm mentioning that one is because he he also had the the privilege to be able to interview him now by the time this comes out um that interview will probably be posted and so we'll link to it in the facebook page if it's not quite posted yet uh then as soon as that is posted then we'll link to that so people can check out uh his interview with matt ruff about lovecraft country i also want and then well i'll mention that last because it'll pivot over to you so you previously mentioned him uh robert brafford he had referenced and i did not know that this existed but i need to seek this out he said it's not strictly horror but c.s lewis's the screw tape letters which i would absolutely consider to be potential future fodder for our show um, he said it's one of my favorite depictions of devils in literature, but he said there's an audio adaptation starring Andy Serkis as the titular demon, and he says he can't recommend it strongly enough. I have never heard of this. I've never heard of of Andy Serkis reading the screw tape letters, and I absolutely want to get my hands on that. That's, I bet that would be amazing. That's gotta be amazing. Yeah, I bet that would be fantastic. So I just wanted to mention that. My uh, my final one again. We had a ton of these listeners. If you don't hear yourself referenced, um, we will post all of these to the Facebook group, to the Facebook pages. But uh, the one that I mentioned, because it's a pivot with a question to you, is um, Stephen Beckley had written. He wrote a couple of things. He wrote a nice write-up about the girl with all the gifts um, and says he really gives that five stars, this uh, British post-apocalyptic zombie thriller. But he said that... uh, because Nathan listens to the On Being podcast and that he checked out specifically that panel you referenced on the episode with Chuck Colson and Greg Boyd and uh, Shane, St- Shane, Shane Claiborne. Claiborne. Um, right. But he had a question for you, so I'll, I'll pivot to you and then you can share some of yours from your listenership. But he asked you, he said, and, and I've noticed this myself, for Krista Tippett's On Being, she always posts, same day, usually same moment, the edited and unedited version of those conversations. I, when I listen, always just listen to the unedited. Which do you do? That was Stephen's question. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean this to be a no-brainer response, but it's kind of like, well, do you watch the you know sort of edited for TV or the way it was intended? Um, for right. me personally, I think, and and actually that sounds real glib, and I, I probably, that's not my intention at all. Um, um, I just think on being is such fuel for my soul when I do listen to it that I'm like, well, why would I? Why would I cut that short? And usually when I'm listening to On Being, I'm mowing the grass, which takes quite a while. So I've got the Mm. time. I definitely do listen to the unedited version. Props, super props to Stephen Beckley because. Oh, my gosh. If we had an honor, if we if we had a proper fear of God historian and it seems like maybe we just do. And so here's your 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 knighting, Stephen. Stephen has created a letterboxed list of the entire history of fear of God. Like, he has yes i I've went looking it. at it, i was like oh we did cover that didn't we um <laughs> i mean it's really impressive he has them notated by series title and all that sort of stuff steven you're the man thank you so much for putting the energy into that it's really impressive and also while we're giving out titles uh vera 
you get the title of Fear of God Chef for your <laughs> alien <laughs> chestburster chicken dinner. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That um, is awesome. I did want to call out uh, also Queen City fella Matt Wiggins. Matt has referenced a couple times, and it takes a couple times for a thing to register. Just ask my wife. It's it's a constant conversation in our marriage. Like, well, I told you that thing. Like, what do you mean you told me that thing? I just <laughs> thought of it myself. Like, no, no, no. I told you that thing. Um, Matt has multiple times brought up the book The Fisherman um, by it looks yeah, like John 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 Langman. John Langman. Have you read it? I haven't read it yet, but he, he keeps referencing oh, so, it, and I really want to. Yeah. So that and American Psycho are the two. Let's let's calm down on this whole beating up Reed for his- <laughs> <laughs> Um But Matt references The Fisherman by John Langman as cosmic horror at its finest, while also a beautiful meditation on grief, which just... Uh, that's a heck of a byline. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, so guys, thank you for sharing some of the things you guys were enjoying and, and what you were watching, reading, listening to. Again, we will be posting some of those up on the Facebook group. Um, another question we threw out to you guys that I just, I don't know, that, you know, call it self-serving, but it's, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting to me that the theater work I do in Charlotte, anytime I'm talking to a patron after the show i'm always curious how they found us and so that was sort of the inspiration for this question what brought you to the fear of god and what keeps you here <laughs> david lichty who we referenced a couple times over the history of the last couple months of the show um he says you love movies and are thoughtful thank you david um, but also i think uh, he also said how he found us and here's a good opportunity to read i'll let you fill in some of this too but he, David found us, as I'm sure many other listeners did as well, through more than one lesson, um, which was spearheaded by Tyler yes. Smith. And read as a brief, I know this was not unplanned, as a brief little segment here, you know, let's give some props to Tyler and more than one lesson. They are kind of oh, gosh, many yes. people's entree to us specifically. Absolutely. The, uh, so I'm, I'm still a co-host, one of three recurring co-hosts uh, on more than one lesson with Tyler Smith, along with Josh Long and Robert Hornack. And so uh, I had spent some time, I actually started as just a listener to the show. Uh, I reached out to Tyler. Tyler and I began to get to know each other. He invited me on the show to talk about um, the screenplay that I had written called The Victim. Um, and so I was there and that sort of segued the, just my continued interaction with Tyler, segued into uh, a friendship that then became a somewhat recurring appearance on the show and then becoming one of the co-hosts of the show. And so then uh, when I had approached Tyler, I cannot thank Tyler enough because uh, I, I approached him. I had thought about this idea for maybe about a month and Tyler was the very first person that I verbalized the idea of the fear of God to because him being, you know, a regular podcaster, a podcast with which I was involved. I was like, I don't even know where to start. And as soon as I said that, he mulled over the idea, and I believe it was later that night, because um, we talked about it, and he just sort of batted around a few ideas, but he talked about it that night and said that he'd really been thinking about it, and he would really like to, and I, I'm immensely uh, grateful to him for it. Um, he said he would actually like to to help me host the show. And so <clears throat> we became part of the extended more than one lesson faculty, family, whatever you want to call it, uh, along with a uh, fellow uh, friend, John Vinalas, uh at Two Geek Soup, and then there's also a couple of other shows. So there were several other podcasts 
guests to come along after us, but uh, we were sort of the first of this new extended faculty. And again, tremendous thank yous to Tyler for uh, for giving us a space and an opportunity and an avenue to do this. So, yeah, we're really appreciative of that. Yes. Thank you so much, Tyler and the More Than One Lesson family for uh, at least giving me honorary membership in said family. Um <laughs> You know, continuing down the uh, what brought you, what keeps you, it's really cool to me to see the spectrum of backgrounds of listeners that we have, you know, Canadians and teachers and pastors and writers and yeah. not to be left out, Meredith Curran, homeschool moms. I'm Meredith throughout here. So what brought her in, Meredith and I are friends in real life. So shout out, Meredith. What brought her in? To the show other than just the gateway of our friendship she says her her day-to-day circle isn't too privy to horror movies doesn't understand her interest in them it's nice to be able to listen to conversations about horror and faith and politics <laughs> i'm glad you appreciate that and i appreciate those of you who might also appreciate that <laughs> uh, politics justice and injustice of the world and all the things it's nice to feel a little validated especially in some areas that keep me from fitting into the typical christian homeschool mom mold which she then clarifies as saying they are all badass in their own way. She just is more into horror than they probably would be. So thank you for being a part, Meredith. <laughs> we appreciate your input and presence and engagement. Always the thoughtful, erudite, consummate gentleman, Matt Murray, says that what brought him to the show and keeps him here is says, Nathan's mom brought me to fear of God, and she keeps me coming back as well. <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 she drives him yeah, she drives I'm, him to the I'm, show I'm sure that's every exactly single week talking about um <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, any other uh, uh what brought you and keeps you read that you wanted to address she's been mentioned a couple of times already but uh and by the way vera will you please let us know if your name is pronounced gaudi as in or if it's goody because I honestly don't know. Um, but uh, Vera said that, and and I did not put this together. Vera has interacted several times on the show um, or on the Facebook groups and stuff like that. I did not put together that she was Rob's wife. I was on r- shortly after, like in the first 20 episodes of Fear of God, I had guested on the Geek Orthodox podcast. And you should go check them out. The episode that I was particularly on was where we covered Let the Right One In. And, well, we specifically talk about Let Me In, I believe, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And so we were talking about those films specifically, and uh, I did not realize that she, that she and Rob were a couple. And uh, and so she said that, you know, basically she found the show because her husband suggested that she start listening before their episode of Geek Orthodox aired so that she was a little familiar with me. And then, then she stuck around. And uh, we're, we're really privileged and glad to have you. Please let us know if it's Gaudi or Goody. Please. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the last one. Um, I, I did want to shout out because he has been very participatory online and did offer a number as well. Jeremy Kakara, which makes me want, makes me think of Russell on up saying Kakara, you know, uh, <laughs> re, uh, uh, Jeremy's entry point was having listened to you read on more than one lesson. So, you know, ah, more than one lesson. Thank you so much, uh, for a long time. And he had wanted to watch more horror for a while. So has used the fear of God as a primer in horror. Well, you are welcome, Jeremy Kakara. Um, Reed, I got to know, buddy. Like, so, you know, listeners are sharing what brought them to it, what keeps them here. What, ah, yeah. Reed, Reed, what keeps, I mean, other than just sort of some of the surface stuff, like what, what, and what keeps you invested in doing fear of God? What, what is, 
Yeah. I don't want to say what's your favorite thing about the show because that feels too reductive. But like, what what keeps you invested? So, well, okay. So I'll say this: when and you can hear is that an okay way to ask that? Yeah, well, absolutely. And I hear okay. that uh, if listeners have listened to us from the beginning, or if they've heard all the episodes, they will perhaps uh, be able, if I identify it, to point to chart a specific sort of progression in me the early episodes um i approached the show in a very sort of intellectual academic way um and i feel like when the show launched i was really sort of looking for a way to explore this intersection and i kind of fancied myself uh and then you as my uh intrepid co-host to be like this sort of pioneering lewis and clark you know we're lackey and rouse just sort of charting the uh you know the christianity and the horror genre but a few episodes start popping in here and there where the conversation goes to more personal places. And when that happened, pretty over time, over 100 episodes, two years, the show has now taken on less this sort of detached academic intellectual way to explore Christianity in the horror genre and more a, a personal way for me to sort of process and understand exactly how I see the world around me, exactly how I understand, you know, we, we launched right in the midst of the 2016 election and, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, but there's, but there's been a lot of things happening in the world around since then. And, And I think the show for me has really become an avenue where if I'm struggling, if I'm wrestling with something, or even if I'm excited about something or encouraged about something, this is an avenue through examining these films and examining these stories and talking about them with my best friend. Um, this has really just become very personal for me to be able to sort of process these things. I think uh, as we move forward, I think that's probably just going to, I'm just going to dig in on that and embrace that a bit more where it's like, it's not quite even going to be pretending to be academic or intellectual and just, and just going to be sort of a much more personal, personal thing um and uh, because i think that's what the show has come to mean to me now it's it's less about like hey we're gonna do this thesis on the works of m night Shyamalan or the works as you mentioned like john carpenter has started off with this sort of wikipedia-esque biography as it were and the show has moved much more from an academic place into this much more like this is what this film made me think about made me feel this is what this brought up in me uh, i think specifically I'll, I'll reference this and then you know pivot to you for the same question i will never forget uh the experience of i was in about a six-week run of just perpetual despair and frustration and confusion within my own personal life within myself uh feeling very down on myself very down about a lot of things and my friend you were in town and we watched edward scissorhands and we recorded it the very next day and then in real time in the in the episode um Edward Scissorhands provides a kind of quasi metaphor for me to understand what I'm going through and my my frustration and my inability to sort of push things forward. The movie and the watching of it. This happens to us sometimes, listeners. I was watching the film and I loved it. And I was sitting there watching it and I was getting a little emotional and what I thought I was getting a little emotional at, I couldn't put words around or couldn't put put ideas around. But then you and I sit down and 30 minutes into the conversation suddenly genuine emotion is beginning to well up because I'm like, oh, that's what I was connecting to. And sure. I, di- I didn't realize that that was what I was connecting to. But And I'm, I'm not going to go into a ton of, of meta stuff about what's happening in my life, but I, I'll just say, uh, confessionally, I'm going through a season right now where I feel like in my life, I've got scissors for hands. Sure. And I feel like Every time I try to do something that I think is what's being asked of me or what's required of me in the moment, I'm only making things worse. Sure, sure. And I'm not. I'm not 
the only person to experience that. Maybe right. most of our listeners right. are going through similar seasons or something. But when you go through a season like that, it's painful and it's it's heartbreaking. What you come become desperate for is for somebody to say, "Hey, <laughs> I understand." I understand your limitations. Right. I understand right, right, right. that you know that you're working with scissors for hands, or sure, you're working sure, with sure. you know with only this much, or or at the very least, like I understand what you're trying to do. Sure. Um, so you just get desperate for some sort of compassionate, understanding voice, and uh, and so it's really sort of in, like real time in this conversation. It's starting to dredge up things that even in the viewing of it, I couldn't quite articulate what I was connecting to. Right. But but that sense of I don't know how to be in the world. And then like when he when he first sees Diane Weist and what he says to her is I'm not finished. Like mm, wow. that notion of I'm I'm not I complete. That line. Yeah. yeah. Uh like I'm and you you know listeners may not be able to hear it in my voice but I'm starting to get a little emotional like that notion of like I'm not I'm not complete yet. Right. I'm not whole. Yeah. And uh, I think that was a real pivot point for me, uh, where then suddenly the show from then on became this more personal thing where I'm like, wow, this is this is a chance or an opportunity for me to sort of assess and process uh, these things that are going on in my heart and mind. So that's 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 what keeps me coming back, Nathan. Plus, it's just a good excuse to talk to you every week. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it is kind of weird how our normal 18 years of friendship just morphed into like ah, just turn on the mic um um, i think that if i had to sort of encapsulate what kind of keeps me coming back the the movies themselves are just kind of gateways to kind of deeper conversations i mean the movies are fun to 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 banter about and go back and forth on and and sort of talk about in sometimes frivolous sometimes profound ways but i think that if i keep if there's a reason i keep doing this it's it's to remind myself, I think, of the power of just true conversation. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. I think what kind of I am I am kind of stubbornly hopeful, yeah. uh, and I don't I don't even even in what I would personally call a very very dark moment in our culture and society, I still rarely kind of succumb to a sense of hopelessness, a sense of despondency, uh, quote unquote, being scared. Um, that said, I think if there is a thing that I might categorize as being scary to me in the midst of those things, it's our increasing inability, not just to listen to each other, mm. but to even care whether or not we are. Yeah. Um, or whether or not we do. And I think there's something really, I, I it's, it's schmaltzy, but I, I, I credit the Lord's work in our friendship for making us, I think, a bit of an exemplar of what it means to just say like, because, because, uh, you know, listeners may not know this, but you and I aren't like lockstep on every single thing, but where uh, we, right, right. I mean, stranger things too, right? <laughs> As um, an example. <laughs> right, right. But where we do differ, we are very good at hearing the person offering, here's what I think you're saying. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of therapy 101, but, you know, <laughs> here's what I, here's what I'm hearing you say, kind of is, is asking questions about what I think you're saying, you know, and, and sort of tempering and or rebutting and or supporting you know what i mean like i just think 
there is a lost art to empathetic conversation. Mm. And I think for me, if there's any ministry, which is a big word attached to what we do here, it's that I think it's a safe place for you and I in conversation and listeners in dialogue with those conversations to pretty much, if I can be bold here, hear the working out of faith. Mm, right. Yes. Yes. I mean, like I it, it is, it is you and I, as opposed to Norman Bates locked in a private trap, scratching at the air and ultimately at each other. It is us maybe coming to grips with where we are scratching at the air and each other and those around right, us and right. saying, well, wow, look at this story. How do we resonate with that? How are we maybe even doing that? And how can we pivot towards a more faithful, beautiful way of interacting with the world around us? So, I mean, I think for me, and I, you know, that's maybe highfalutin, but that's kind of what kind of keeps me personally invested in coming back. No, no, I, I I love that. And I would also just briefly extend that to the listeners as well. Like listeners, when you interact, like we, we want you to have as much fun as we have as well. But like um, we've had a couple of comments here and there where if somebody's, you know, if, if you're if you're going through something, if you're moved by something, if you're, you know, provoked by something, then I, I don't want to speak for you, Nathan, but I think you and I are in agreement about this, that it's like if you if you respond to something like that, we hear that as actual conversation. Like, that's how we're going to approach it, treat it, whatever. Like, well, you know, we'll, we'll take it seriously. And to that end, like that's that's sort of not necessarily as interested in building this big empirical uh, society of a bunch of fans as much as like we're explorers we presume you are fellow explorers in this world of either faith or horror or both and you know what what do you have to share with us and insights and thoughts and those kinds of things as well so yeah i would i, I would amen and extend that we also asked uh, to pick one subject that could be a film, TV show, book, whatever, um, that they that you'd like to suggest for us to cover sometime within the next hundred episodes. Don't know that we'll get to all of these suggestions, but uh, we we got some really good suggestions. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna give some props to Meredith. Uh, if there's a way we can justify getting Fahrenheit four five one on this show, I will take it. I will do it. <laughs> if we can remotely justify the horror of Fahrenheit four five one. Then, then we will take that. Uh, of course, Blake Collier is going to throw his hat in the ring for the people under the stairs. Uh, is that, the, that is that film. the one that didn't make the nineties that he wanted so bad? That didn't, yeah, that didn't make the nineties, and I think we lost him for a little bit as a, <laughs> as a, as a companion to the show. Um, and then he the just, last, he just started running. <laughs> um, one more I'll mention, and then I'll pivot to you. Is uh, so several people mentioned elements from the Evil Dead franchise, either Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. Jeff Hansen, I think, wants to see, wants you to uh, like live tweet watching Evil Dead 2, and I kind of want that as well. Um, Vera mentioned Army of Darkness. so cruel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I had just recently finished the run watching all three seasons of Ash vs. Evil Dead, which I, I love. I absolutely adore. That show is absurdly and gleefully vulgar and, and over the top, and I love it so much. Um, so, yeah, I, I would I would actually kind of love to, to tackle one of the uh, – do an Evil Dead series, as it were, in the in the coming hundred episodes. Um, um, the two yeah. – I'm going to pick two here. Um, again, there's a number of elements here. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all your contributions. But um, two specifically that stood out to me, 
uh, because I do think these are actually pretty feasible with a little brainstorming read. Um, one, Robert, who's been referenced a couple times, um, I, I put him on stage here in Charlotte. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. Um, he recommends <laughs> the first season of the TV show iteration of Hannibal. Um, I have Which actually great. really, okay. So I've not actually seen yes. any of that, but I do like Mads Michelson a lot. I know Jillian Anderson shows up and I don't know if you know this read, but I do really enjoy the X-Files. I don't know if you've learned that. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All these years I have never picked that, up. Well, on that. I try to never... keep it kind of under wraps. Um, low key. Yeah. yeah, a little yeah, low-key, yeah, yeah. little low-key X-Files love. And I will let him redeem himself here. Matt Murray uh, throws out lock and key. Someone else, I think, on Facebook group did throw out lock and key as well. Um, yes. I'm sorry, yes. I can't remember who that was because it's not printed in front of me at the moment. But I actually think, and I will talk to Reed off pod, I think there's a way to figure out how to make lock and key work, uh, maybe in serialized form on the show. So... Who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. we will get around to that because Lock and Key is a fantastic. If you don't know what Lock and Key is, it's a graphic novel series that was uh, uh, at least in its initial run finite. But apparently, I think it was good old Wiggins mentioned that it may be currently still having some version out in the wild. But oh, it's wow. a graphic novel series uh, written by Joe Hill, that being Stephen King's son, that is exceptional. It's an exceptional work of fiction um, that would be a lot of fun to figure out how to explore on the show. Before we uh, dive into the next one that's a little bit on the sillier side, I do have to reference that I think it would be fun. Uh, Jeremy, who also has been referenced a couple of times, mentioned that he would love for us to destroy all the fond memories he has of Frank Peretti's books from his teenage years. Uh, and I don't know if that'll ever happen actually on the show, but uh, there's, a, there's a world in which I could get behind covering like The Oath or The Visitation or uh, maybe even This Present Darkness or something. So I don't know. Those, let's, were, let's, those were so intense for me back in let's, the day. Let's, let's put a pin in that because there's, there's a possibility i i worked at a christian bookstore most of my high school career and consumed all of those books and especially have a unique memory of the peretti novels my freshman year of college so now i'm i'm with you uh let's throw them on the fire uh, something uh guys yeah we're a show called the fear of god all about fear and faith we did ask you what are you afraid of right you know, we talked about this on our Quarterly King 2. Quarterly King 1 was... Carrie. Carrie, that's right. Quarterly, Quarterly King 2 was It with the Body and the Blood fellas. Quarterly King 3 was The Shining. Quarterly King 4, as Reed mentioned last week, will be The Stand. Get that on your radar or your nightstand. Um, <laughs> and we talked about on Quarterly King 3 of It what each other was scared of. Reads was a pile of clothes, which is really weird. Um, Let's just my- calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was large open bodies of water. We're just going to run through some of these. Um, we're not going to attach names to it. You know what you're afraid of, listener. Uh, one of you said Chucky scares the bleep out of me. One of you said sharks, which I'm right there with you. Um, oh, absolutely. This was an interesting one. People with arms outstretched. So this person is not a hugger. You are not a hugger. They also included needles. I can get behind that one. Reed, what are what are some of yours? So uh, the only one that I will call out is uh, Blake Collier says, well, everybody knows what my deepest fear is <laughs> because we harp on it all the time. Um, so, But he also said that uh, being surprised by someone or something being at a door or window when you pull back a curtain or open a door and not expecting anyone, that gets him every time. Uh, someone else said demons, spiders, and I liked this, darkness so black you can feel it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty dark. 
I'm hearing that. The Someone else said the thought of a threat silently appearing in an area that you're used to thinking of as safe and familiar. Yes. Oh, Can I throw, so I'm going to throw out right here. I may have thrown this out before on an episode. Like, I have this distinct memory. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've referenced this some, in some manner. So, like, when I was in high school, I read a lot of Dean Koontz, which was uh, uh, Stephen King's cousin, right? Um, <laughs> and specifically things like Winter Moon. That book scared the crap out of me. But I would, I had this memory. My parents, the house I grew up in for my high school years had a staircase up to the second floor. Well, the right side of the staircase was open into the foyer and another room, but the left side of the staircase was closed off by a wall into the dining room. Well, I, yeah, it's episode 101. It's a whole new era. I <laughs> you not read. I would, I was the one who was always going to bed late. You know, I just have that in my blood. Sure, sure. And I would go from the downstairs where I'd watch TV into the evening or, or read a book or whatever, play video games, what have you. And I'd go to the bottom of the stairs to go up. Everyone's asleep upstairs. I, I, I did. I would do this. I would look around the wall to make sure nothing was there. Oh my and gosh. then dart up the stairs at night. <laughs> like, you know, it, there was nothing rational about it, but I totally did that more than once. So yeah. Any, any, yeah. any others uh, that, the, you, uh, yeah. that you have? We'll we'll mention just a uh, just a few more here. Yeah. The, there's a uh, crawling in a tunnel that progressively gets smaller and smaller until you come become completely stuck. That's terrible. That person that sounds that like person a tapped into my night. For, yes. Um. Somebody else mentioned just like conflict, the nagging idea that you know someone somewhere is mad at me. I live under the shadow of that fear. I live under that fear. Uh, a couple of other people mentioned death, uh, or the you know feeling of being trapped. Then one person wrote and that they have an irrational fear of zombies in the water, specifically lakes and lakes that have floating square docks that you have to swim out. This to. is a very specific, it's a fear. very specific fear. <laughs> 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 like, okay. All right. That is, that is, that is very, uh, that is very frightening. Um, but pivoting out of the things that scare us and the things that scare you guys, we, we also, we pitch every single episode, for you to go and rate or review us on iTunes. Many of you have tossed a rating to us. We are very appreciative of that. But in very quick succession, in rapid fire, I want to thank uh, your iTunes moniker. I do not always know who you are, and sometimes it's not your name. But this is your iTunes moniker. I want to give a special thank you to Kyle J, Chase Monkey, Aaron L. White, IPM, Matt Murray, Philip Hurd, Paolo Bandita, Wes O'Hare, John Boyle, TV Reds, Nurse Erica 83, Decox 1234567, Rev Kev Glenn, Professor Allen, Mrs. Metal Rooster, Esto MK, Zante Sukin, Charlotte Soccer Fan, Stuart, <laughs> Dirk the Dragon Slayer, J Roll Film Boy, Jolly Roger, 908-6473P, Strybeck, Nymeria 23445, H Van Orden, uh, MX5 Matt. Mer9979 and Josiah Miles because you guys took the time to actually write us yes. a review. Um, Thank you. Those Hats reviews, off. Yes. Yes. Those reviews, we know they take time. We've been asked by apps and by podcasts to rate and write reviews, and we know it takes time, and we know it takes effort, and we just wanted to, uh, of course, in rapid-fire succession, just say a very sincere thank you for taking the time to write those reviews. We were humbled and honored by what you had to say. Uh, we're even more hun humbled and honored by your continued presence at the show, and thank you very, very much for that time. Another question we asked, folks, 
what is something that has stood out from the conversations we've done on the show, 100 episodes strong, as having impacted you? So we did want to talk a little bit about what some of you shared as particular conversations or bits of conversation that stood out to you over the course of time. So uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start on this one um, again, man. I wish we had the time and space to get to all of these, but um, Jeff Hansen had responded uh, to the question. I believe it was Jeff. Uh, I have it in my notes as Jeff that um, that the village and Frankenstein conversations have probably been the episodes that stuck with me the most. He says, I realize it's not perfect, but I love the village and I love what it has to say about fear and illegalism. So basically, I liked that y'all validated my feelings. And then he said, Franken- the Frankenstein episode I thought was so on point with critiquing the current political status of evangelicalism and conservatism. And then the next one that I have is uh, my coworker and friend Hillary Van Orden said that uh, just very briefly and simply that the episode where we dove into Empathy for the Devil, shout out J.R. Foresteros for uh, being on the show, uh, was one that she really loved. And then she loved the conversation that stemmed from The Purge as well. Um, one that just, I think, because it had such resonance for me that really you know, uh, stood out for me in terms of responses is uh, Robert mentioned the discussion on Let Me In. Um, it's funny. I haven't listened to that one in a while, but I do have such a, you know, a sort of significant memory of that conversation being really profound in relationship to the movie itself. But he said specifically focusing on how the young man Owen ends the film and the latest in a long line of Abby's victims because of the failures of every figure in his life. Then and now Robert says it causes him to reflect on the responsibilities I have to people around me. And how tiny abdications of those responsibilities, which I might be inclined to brush off, can have enormous ramifications for people in vulnerable situations. I am with you, Robert. Like that, it, it's it's interesting. We talked about what keeps us in this whole fear of God thing. What keeps me in horror is like that sort of observation, right? That sort of right reflection. Right. Like, oh my God, you know this uniquely told, uh, uh, atmospheric, and and moody, and 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 lovingly shot. Uh, a horror story about this vampire girl becomes this profound rumination on caring for the bullied around us and not throwing them as it were to the wolves, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's really powerful to reflect on. So, so yeah, thank you, Robert, for offering that, um, man, Reed, we got to figure out how to just post these everywhere so people can read what everyone offers. I know. Maybe um, we'll reach out to the individuals and see if they're comfortable with us posting them on the Facebook page or yeah. posting them themselves. And something we wanted to offer too was some of our favorite kind of serious moments. We talked about some of the bits and gags. We did want to talk about briefly some of the serious moments. Um, Reed, I, I think you might have a handful. Why don't we just do two each? That sound good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep it. I'm going to do two and a half. I'm going to do two and a half. Okay. But go ahead. Wow. Yeah. Of course you are. I know. I know. (laughs) I just love, Um, I love what we do. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'll go first. One that doesn't get mentioned uh, a very lot, but uh, Pan's Labyrinth uh, was interesting. It was kind of a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, it was a kind of special uh, episode, uh, I think, and specifically digging into that idea of the the small victories or the small sacrifices that uh, may not earn you much glory, but this notion of uh, yeah, but the, there's ultimately the the war, even for your even if it is merely for your very spirit and soul, uh, is one with those small sacrifices and those small uh, victories. So yeah, that moment really stands out to me, and and as I was thinking back on these, that's one that. Uh, 
that uh, I, I just have some really emotional feelings going back to that conversation. That's very cool. Um, I think my half one that I want to offer and then I'll do a whole one. So I think you, you sort of brushed up against this earlier um, or I thought you were going to, but you actually went a different direction than I expected. But um, I want to throw out Cloverfield Lane. I feel like Cloverfield Lane, I'm going to use a deep cut here. It's actually a relatively shallow cut if you're in the know, but I consider Cloverfield Lane our walkabout. <laughs> oh, okay. Like sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're a Lost fan, you might know Walkabout episode three of season one. All of a sudden you watch Walkabout and you're like, oh my God, is it four? Okay. It's episode um, this, this moment that comes in that show where you're like, uh, whoa, okay, this is a lot deeper and profound than maybe I realized was going to happen. Uh, Cloverfield Lane is a little bit like that in our, in our sort of initial run of episodes where all of a sudden we realized, Oh wow, this is going to be pretty interesting and fascinating conversation that can be happening here. So that's my half. I've got two majors here. I think the one I want to offer as my initial major is the village. Um, mm, I think, mm-hmm. and that movie is so such a struggle sometimes because people will not unrightly so criticize its ending, but I can take the ending and accept it. I could even pull the ending out and, and be okay with it. I think that movie is a piece of beauty. And yeah. I think there's this really lovely thing that happened in that conversation about that movie that took what I already consider a piece of beauty and made it a profound conversation of faith and, and life and how we are meant to walk forward and what, what a faithful life walking through this world can be and look like. And so I just really, I find a lot of, I am ministered to by that conversation. Um, I think another one that I would mention that we don't, we don't reference very much. um, So I'm going to go with your half as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, And so, so the, the, the episode that I'm going to reference in total is go back listeners. If you haven't in a while and well, watch the show, but check out our Black Mirror episode. Um, yeah, I feel like yeah. Black Mirror. Black Mirror was and and just the conversation about dealing with with loss and and grief and the the sort of the digital self um, and your and your actual self. Um, yeah, there was there was there were many things in that episode. I probably couldn't even just pick one. Uh, that episode was really just sort of a watershed for me. Um, and then my half is just a line. Um, you reference the village. Uh, I'm going to go to just the observation in the sixth sense and how just the phrase, the line from the movie, some magic is real. Yeah. Has, has really just come to, uh, like I'm heartened from time to time when I think about impossible scenarios or things that it's like, well, there's no way that that could possibly happen. And then just remember uh, a little Haley Joel Osment telling, uh, Bruce Willis, some magic is real and being in the context of our conversation that we drew out of it being very bolstered and encouraged by that. So just a handful of things to, to mention. There's, there's many more that I could name if we were just rattling off a huge list, but, uh, but those stand out to me in this moment. I think my other one uh, that I just wrote down and feel free to go listen to it. I just wrote the purge, the purge, the purge. Um, mm, yes, I've yes. probably listened to that episode of ours more than any other. Cause it just really has a profound effect on me. And the phrase I wrote down as my brain was kind of processing this as I was rewatching this movie was the idolatry of safety. Mm. And I think we are just in an interesting time in our culture, both just in the broader culture at large, um, be it political, social, what have you, but 
but also in the in the church culture, mm-hmm. in the evangelical culture, and where this this trumpet of safety has never been louder. And I just I can't get away from this feeling, and this is what I want to spend some time, you know, kind of hearing your thoughts on too. Like, sure, I don't personally, I don't feel the faithful Christian life, the pursuit of a faithfulness to Jesus and living his ways, I don't feel like safety is part of the package. Mm. Every authority figure, you mentioned the mom and dad, like how would you parent this child? Every authority figure, the teachers, his mom, his dad, they all fail him. Every single one of them fail him. They dismiss him or they don't, they don't step in and teach him how to be in this situation, how to be who he's supposed to be. Who comes through for him? Right. Her. The monster. The monster, the monster, it is a monster, but she's there for him when he needs her. He is being threatened to drown or have one of his eyes gouged out, and she will have none of that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's part of why we cheer that moment is not just because the villains are getting their comeuppance, but it's because this, this kid who we know, like, God, that is a terrible and horrific situation to be in. But somebody's got to save him. And a teacher's sure as hell not going to do it. Mom's not going to do it. The dad's not going to do it. So Abby comes in and Abby just takes care of business. And I think that is a cautionary tale that if, if we do not, I'm not about to preach, but I sincerely think this. If we do not actively instruct wholeness and actively impart wisdom, something else will come in and take that place. Wow. Yeah, Something yeah. else will come in and seize that void, and we ourselves let it happen. And we, we right. I mean, very deliberately, we let it in. That's the name of the film. Right. Like, right. We, right. we let it in. It's this- I think we are in grave danger when, out of fear of all of the things that could ever happen to us, we never actually honor those around us and ourselves in turn and God in turn by living whole as whole people and because of that scene and because of ivy and lucius's relationship the film has a tremendous amount of things to say about trust because this Mm, the elders are saying trust us be afraid but then ivy instinctively puts trust because of what because of the love that she has and that moment I, i referenced the passage earlier from first john that moment what happens when Ivy trusts more than she's af- afraid and trusts out of love? Oh, Perfect yeah, love drives yep, yep. out fear. She stands wow. there and she Look says, at you. I Look am going to. Yeah, man. That's good. And she holds that hand out saying, he's coming. He's yep. coming. And oh, my Ooh. God, what would happen <laughs> if more faithful. Be- I'm about to. This is the this is the Pentecostal preacher in me there starting to come out. What would happen if more faithful Christ-like believers, instead of get in the basement, hide, lock the doors, keep all the bad people out, extended a hand and said, he's coming. The king's coming. We can trust. We stand here. We know there are monsters about. We know that there are things worth being afraid of, but he's coming. If there was more... To me, I look at the world we're living in right now, and I think we have created a Frankenstein monster. We, the church. You look at this body passage of First Corinthians, and to me, this is Paul is saying, like, don't be in the movie's language, Henry Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Don't go get a brain from here. Don't go get ears from here. Don't go get right. eyes from here. Right. You know, I, I think it's a it's it's mildly heretical, 
to like conflate the church and America as, as inextricable entity entities, but many people do it. You know, a lot of people do it. A lot of people in the church do it. Um, but when you conflate these two things, people tend to focus solely on a few insanely specific issues as paramount. Right. Well, what, what happens when you do that? You neglect the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. And what do we end up with? Not an emperor with no clothes, but a body with no head. Mm. Yes. And what happens the night that Jesus is arrested? They come charging for him. Peter is right there in the fray, claims that weapon, this piece of security that he has, and lobs off the ear of one of Christ's attackers. And this is what's so scandalous, and this is what in my mind, at least partially was responsible for blowing their mind and sending them running because they didn't know how to be anymore. When Jesus picks up the ear of the enemy, picks up the ear of the man who is about to take him off to die and picks up that ear and restores it right there in that moment. Jesus picked up the ear of his enemy and healed him in that moment so that he could be led away to die. Why have we appropriated the gospel into this power-mad, power-hungry, security-laden thing where we, are no, where we now will revel in and dance on the grave of our enemies rather than picking up their woundedness and reaching out in restoration. That's what, that's what hurts when I try to, to think about what's happening to us. And in this, in this us, the capital U is the church, the large evangelical church, where we're no longer picking up that ear and reaching out and saying, here's healing for you. Instead, we're like, get him, lob off the head next time, next time, you know, slash out the armies and thinking that Christ would be standing there as anything other than brokenhearted by that. And here's what I would say. I'm going to say this. and I'm going to shut up because I need to calm down. Is that <laughs> is, is this notion of. To, to think that if the bodies of the enemies were decimated right there, yes, the bodies of the enemy, let's imagine for a minute, bodies of the enemies are decimated, Peter led with his sword, everybody led with their sword, and then everybody walks away, the enemies are vanquished. Who will, be, who will remain is Jesus picking up the dead and the broken and the wounded and healing them and saying, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, whatever else, whether other words he would have chosen to use at that moment, picking them up, restoring them grafting them into the body and then sending them on their way. That is the spirit of Christ. And I think largely anything in opposition to that, I would consider that anti-Christ to be in, in a non-restorative posture for that. Uh, empathy for empathy for the devil, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is why I wrote down the word holiness watching the purge. Because I'm like, what does it take for us to recognize that there is a capacity we have given to us all we need for godliness mm. and we say yeah but i'd rather kill that person once a once a year because mm. whoo that'll really exercise some of what i'm feeling yeah like that's like we don't we don't literally have a, a nationally sanctioned purge uh <laughs> you know what i take it back we do we have an administration who says, no, 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 let's, let's, let's get rid of the immigrants. Let's make sure on a very public way that we get them out of here. We purge them from our, our site. Let's make sure that nationalist hate groups that perpetrate uh, murder in Charlottesville, that the administration says, no, it's, it's, it's okay, y'all, you know, everybody's, everybody's 
we're just not good. Mm -hmm. And the church says, you know what? I think that's true. We're just not good. And the church doesn't, I'm about to drop the F bomb. The church doesn't say it's kind of true that we aren't good, but Jesus, the Christ who rose from the dead is, and he gifts us with all we need to be able to be good in his example. I've referenced this, uh, illustration before it's a sermon illustration and some listeners may find it somewhat cheesy but i've, I've referenced it before i'm going to reference it again because i think it's 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 prescient to this conversation the the sermon illustration goes like this an old man is walking along the beach and there are thousands and thousands of starfish along the beach and as he's walking along the old man's steps are slow and he walks with a cane and he walks and he reaches down and he picks up a starfish and he wanders closer to the water and he puts the starfish in the water and then meanwhile a passerby is watching him do this over and over and over again but sees the the thousands of starfish along the beach and he walks up to the man and as kindly as he can say, why are you wasting your time doing this? You cannot expect to put all these starfish back into the water. What you are doing does not matter. To which the old man looks at him, ponders it for a moment, and then bends down, picks up a starfish and goes and puts it in the water and says, it mattered to that one. Sure. And um, I think there can be this real resistance on our part to believe that what we do, if it does not have a platform, makes no difference. Right. But the scriptures say, and I don't have it pulled up, but I will find it so that I can read it directly. The scriptures say that even if you give a cup of cold water in yep. the name of Jesus, yep. you will yep. not lose yep. your reward. Yep. Yep. And we have lost sight um, largely. We want, the, we want the platform. We want to win the war. Um, when the battle it many times is not is not won at the war, it's won in the hearts of little girls who won't let their their brother's yeah, yeah. finger be pricked um, because that's what this is all about. I'm I'm here to protect him, and right, um, right. and you and you talk about the stories we tell ourselves, and yeah, I think we want to tell stories where we charge up the hill and lead an army of millions behind us. Um, when when the real story at play is a man who was abandoned by every friend he had and died alone on a cross and and therefore saved the world. Right. You know, like right, that's that's right, that's right. what we follow. He was featured on this podcast. You can look it up. Just Google Burning Man and Sherry Turkle and you can find the article in the podcast where and, and the name of it is how to practice being human. Oh, my gosh. Right. And her whole thing is. The better our technology gets, the worse we're becoming at being human. Mm. And she says, practice having conversations with other human beings. Listen to that, Reed Lackey. Practice having conversations with other human beings. Oh, my gosh. And she doesn't, int she intends this as like, hey, guys, we're, we're going off the rails a bit here. Mm. Here are some things that are meant to try to right the ship. And she says, embrace the imperfections of everyday life rather than trying to make everything seamless. There's this amazing moment in the Be Right Back episode where a mole exists. Or no, she indicates there was a mole on him when, when this simulation no longer has it. Yes. Right? Oh. And, he's, yeah. and, and she says, like, oh, he had a mole there. And, he was, and effectively, he's like, oh, well, hold on. And it just appears. Yeah. Embrace the imperfections of everyday life. The next bullet on Turkle's list is practice showing vulnerability to other people. This is a, mm. this is a great one, and I'll, I'll leave it here and we can come back to the episode. 
Cultivate non-transactional relationships where you expect nothing from the people you want in your life.、Mm. And I, I don't know, man. Like this episode is so. Both of these, as as a pair, are just haunting. And I'm sure there are a bunch of other episodes. So I'm going to mention Matthew chapter 18, verses two through four. Is talking about Jesus. He says he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, "Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven." And thinking about how we as adults are so convinced that we have everything ordered, everything put together, we dismiss children. We dismiss how they think. We dismiss what they think about. We dismiss their perception of the world, and we do so at our peril. Because、yeah. our king has told us that unless you become like them, you're missing out the kingdom of heaven entirely. And what is the kingdom of heaven, as expressed in some of our favorite writings, but the grandest fairy tale and coal sliding the penny across and reminding each and every one of us who have got our head buried in the sand that some magic is real, that、sure. there are some that there are some things that are still worth feeling wondrous about and、sure. feeling. Hopeful and feeling perhaps a bit magical about. I think that there's something that we ourselves we we just trust what we can see. But as 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 Cole observed to Malcolm, they see what they want to see,、sure. and 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 we are at limit of that. And unless we are willing to sort of break beyond our gridlocked perceptions of things and accept and listen attentively to the perceptions of other people, then We're going to be in real trouble. We do so at our own demise at times. I had said, as a sort of final thought on my whole rant here, I had said before. I said, you know, an open mind, and I think I've said it on this show that an open mind just basically is a substitute for having very few convictions. What we need is not necessarily an open mind, but an open heart and an attentive mind, a mind that is paying attention to those around us and is, as you've put it several times now, stay staying curious about what. Happens beyond our own experiences, and about what is taking place in the world around us that would inform something of of where we are and of what we're going through.、Um, so, yeah, I think this film has a lot to say about that, about the need to listen, about the need to break out of our own perceptions, and possibly even to fill ourselves with some childlike wonder that, that some magic is real, and and we can we can see it, and we can partake of it, and we can participate in it. Man, I cannot we think. We can see dead people. <laughs> I cannot think of a better button on why I love the work of M. Night Shyamalan, except that he, probably more so than many other filmmakers, is continually telling us in different ways. Sometimes ways that frighten us, sometimes ways that thrill us, sometimes ways that move us, sometimes ways that frustrate us. But is continually telling us some magic is real, and、yeah. and and I, you know. I love him as a filmmaker for it, for for telling us in his little way that some magic is real. Cool. All right. So one thing we wanted to hear from you guys, we asked multiple times in multiple ways. What are questions unrelated specifically to episodes or movies we covered that you guys had for us? So, so I'll go first、um, because your your friend Matt Wiggins 
uh, asked about the origin of our opening music and and quotes that we use in the opening theme. So I just wanted to give a brief rundown to that. So the music was actually composed by myself and uh, an old roommate of mine named Lee Wright. Uh, shout out, Lee. Um, so we actually wrote the music that you hear in the opening. Uh, and I'm going to play something right now. I'm going to insert something that is uh, is is slightly embarrassing, but in the early days, there was a different musical cue that I also, that Lee and I also wrote that I was going to use instead, and it's super cheesy. Uh, if you listened to our bonus episode about uh, we, the, the early test pilot for We Need to Talk About Kevin, then you've heard this already, but I'll insert it here as well. So then I'll do a brief rundown before I play you that, a brief rundown of the clips that we use in our main core. Uh, it obviously opens with Franklin Delano Roosevelt's speech on the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Um, and then there's a line from the film The Fly, uh, be afraid, be very afraid. And then the line, there's nothing to fear except God, whatever that means to you, is from a 1980 film, I believe it's 80, called Possession. And then, uh, of course, uh, devolves right into Hellraiser Oblivion. I believe it's Oblivion, one of the Hellraiser um, movies where he says, uh, do I look like I care what God thinks? And then it goes right into a clip from The Apostle where uh, Robert Duvall is fiery uh, preaching up. And those are, those are where all of the clips and quotes uh, came from. But take a brief listen to the early uh, version of that right here. podcast exploring the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre. And as you can see, we <laughs> needed to go with the other version, the version that we hear on the show. So, uh, so there you go, Matt. That would maybe more information than you asked for, but, but there it is. Um, so Jeff Hansen threw out the question, uh, asking me specifically, uh, my top five horror flicks. It's funny. Reed just asked me this the other day. There was some other, I mean, it was for both of us, but some other source podcast source was inquiring of Reed and I, uh, this, and I will, this is a knee jerk list. It was from scanning our content. Um, but of the things that we've covered, which my limited memory and bandwidth will allow, um, what I came away with was um, Sixth Sense, The Strangers. I mean, goodness gracious, I just watched that a month ago. Uh, the, Bla <laughs> the Blair Witch Project, Seven. And then it was kind of a tie between Rope or Bone Tomahawk. Um, I really mm -hmm. loved both of those. Um, so that would sort of be my answer to that question. So Reed, Robert asks, and I don't know if you have an answer for this, if you could have one horror movie monster as a <laughs> pet or a companion, you have the ability to keep it from harming you or others. What would you choose? 
Do you have an answer to that question? I mean, as long as I could guarantee that it wouldn't hurt me, I mean, part of me would kind of love to have a Frankenstein monster. What? Yeah. Do you want me to? Do you need me to dress up as Frankenstein for Halloween for you? And you can be if you could. Doctor, that's the you that's be Doctor the, Frankenstein. Yes. Was that all that was meant to be? <laughs> yes. Um, but I think yeah, if I could guarantee, because I think we'd have. I mean, like I have this this vision of us just sitting around and playing and the violin. Like, and, Brand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I knew he wouldn't get hurt or hurt other people, that's I would love a little lovely. Frankenstein monster. Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, I I'm gonna totally cop out this answer. I'm gonna cheap out, and I'm gonna pick a oh, mog- no. I'm gonna pick a mogwai. You want a mogwai? Oh, want that's a mogwai. awesome. Who doesn't yes. want a mogwai? Don't get it. Don't get him. Don't get him wet. No, and if you feed him, make sure it's not after midnight Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, just a couple of quick answers. Um, somebody, uh, Hillary, had asked when we're going to have another guest on the podcast—a fan, author, a filmmaker. My answer—it's going to seem like a dismissal, but very soon we're actually planning. Uh, we're in the works right now, planning three specific potential guest-related episodes. So just uh, just stay tuned. Uh, that will be happening very soon. Um, and then one answer that that would take a little bit longer to to go to uh, your buddy uh, Nathan Matt Murray uh, asked. He said there hasn't been a lot of torture porn films like Hostel or Saw or something like that uh, on the show. And he says, I'm okay with that decision, but was that a conscious feeling? And what are your feelings on that genre? Um, So in brief, for me, um, I find, I do find there to be some value in some versions of films that would be considered that. I don't find a lot of value in films that revel in that kind of thing with no real substantive element to their narrative. Saw specifically, the first Saw, I think there is a lot to talk about. Um, maybe even one or two of the Saw sequels, there would be occasion to discuss something. They might make their way to the show uh, at some point. But uh, just to be honest with you, there's not a ton. I do find some degree of value to the genre as long as the sort of graphic nature of the violence and content is matched by narrative substance. And if we, you know, cross into that path, then we'll definitely be willing to feature something like that on the show. Absolutely. Um, before we move on to the next category, I don't know. I was pondering this, like a couple of questions wrapped up in one. So some, somebody wrote in the question, just, just beautifully phrased. It says, what is up with Nathan and Christianity? And that is, that's like, <laughs> that was that's, David Lichty. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought, David. Thank you for the, uh, inquiry there. That's a like huge, super huge question that I'll, I will take two minutes to address. Um, that could take five hours. Um, maybe if ever you're in Charlotte and want to grab an adult beverage, you, I'll go into a little more detail. So it, it, it is not really my interest or place to go into deep detail on some of the finer points of the story. But I guess a better version of that question is what is up with Nathan and like formalized church enterprise slash structure? You know, there were events that took place in a church setting a number of years ago that had uh, a church setting that was deeply meaningful to me uh, on many levels that had a profoundly, deeply, significantly negative impact sourced specifically from a leadership environment that threatened a lot about my life both practically and spiritually. And, and the, the, the upside to the story is that I came away uh, with a, a, a deep, renewed, refreshed 
relationship, if you will, although even that's a bit reductive of a word, uh, with Jesus the Christ and a deeply scarred and mistrusting relationship towards the church at large. So that sort of event and series of events took place and, and, you know, uh, no surprise it, it, it was followed shortly on the heels by, um, the election of 2016, right when we started. And, and that for me personally, as I interpreted the world around me was one more sort of stunning blow to a lot of what I had personally experienced, uh, just, a, just a, a, a more profound, societal magnification of more intimate experiences that that left me really reeling um and really you know kind of unsure of a lot of what i had traditionally expected out of the church environment so um that is a, a very vague uh but you know addressing thank you and sincerely for what at least feels like a compassionate inquiry there. Um, but I will follow on the heels with Matt's question because it is wrapped up in this of, uh, he asks, um, what kind of churches do Reed and I go to? Does anyone there know you do a Christian horror movie podcast? So <laughs> springing out of this personal story, it, it took, uh, uh, a number of years and I would still say is not a full return to a traditional church environment. That said, uh, my family and I have been visiting off and on uh, an Episcopal church here in Charlotte uh, that whose, whose work in the community means a lot to us. And as to the question of do people there know, um, unfortunately, I'm not hyperactive enough on a routine basis to have a, a deep connection with general parishioners, but I have developed a friendship with the rector there who in traditional evangelicalism would be the pastor. And yes, he does know that I do a horror podcast because he is very much a nerd himself and has come to see some of my theater production uh, work. And, you know, we've kind of bonded over board games and King of Tokyo uh, and is really into kind of what we do. So that's a long winded way to address sort of seriously some of the questions that you guys asked uh reed did you want to address sort of that what kind of churches do we go to do people there know you do a christian horror movie podcast mm -hmm. yeah i can say in just very brief i attend uh higher vision church in uh, santa clarita california and uh and and anthony doris who was on our get out episode he and i attend that church together there are some good friends who also uh attend and know that I do a Christian horror podcast. I mean, I, I'm not sponsored by the church or anything like there's, there's not this on mass awareness that I do that. But several of my friends in the church uh, do know that I'm involved in uh, that sort of thing and are very kind and supportive uh, in that in that avenue. So I will say this, we, we got a lot of listener questions for time's sake. We've already gone longer than we expected to. Um, I will say like, if you, if you emailed us the question, then we will respond to you by email over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, if you submitted the question in some other venue or means, uh, then feel free to email us fear of God podcast at gmail.com. And then we will, uh, respond to you in kind. We'll go ahead and, uh, bounce that back to you that way. But Nathan read. I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. So 
Uh, just one, and it, 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 it should be pretty. Sing, are you going to sing it to me? No, no, I'm not. No? Not this time. Oh. No. So, what is an episode that if we could do it over? Maybe not because you're not happy with the product. Maybe it's because you'd like another shot at it because you have more to say about it um, or because it was so much fun. Or maybe it is because, you know, yeah, we really didn't get the episode we wanted to out of it. For any of those reasons, what's an episode that if we could go back and redo it, you would redo an episode? Um, I will answer one question with a couple of answers. So I know you'd like are ready to shut me up, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a party, brother. It's a party. I thought about going to the dollar store today and getting some party favors so I could like. Oh my gosh. Um, so your one question is episode that I would change or redo for particular reasons. Um, I think uh, they've come up a couple times, but I would pick for certain reasons, the descent and stranger things too. Um, the descent. I just, it's not even that I regret the content we shared. It's, I just had no clue. There was a different, version out there and it we were we were at the end of the episode you know what i mean like we were done mm. and all of a sudden there was this revelation like wait what what do you mean yeah right your right. theme is diametrically opposed to mine because you saw something totally different so that would be one stranger things too like i don't even mind us being on different sides of that conversation i think in hindsight being 2020 we should have just pre-briefed each other to know okay hey i liked it a lot hey i didn't like it a lot let's just have fun with it instead right, we, right. We, we got pretty invested in our own sort of hill to die on and and, <laughs> and 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 did not relent on each other and you can hear it in the episode um it's pretty true something that for a different reason i might consider because and and this will pivot us well into the segment about to come after i ask you a question um I really thought a ton about the Vertigo episode after it was done. Like I just, oh okay, for a movie that I did not on viewing think a ton about, our conversation yielded a, a, a just smorgasbord of just touch points. And I really, I, you know, I say this in truth. Like I really came away from listening to that episode a couple times, thinking we should have had some women on the show mm. talking about vertigo. And so, right, you know, you and I right. have batted around some ideas about the future of like, you know, this, this, this idea of maybe a sub format that's like revisiting certain movies and conversations that, that reframe or, or add to existing conversations. But, but that, that's one of those where I'm like, cause I just didn't, I didn't realize it was going to yield the, what it did. And, and sure. As sure. I re listened to it, I was like, man, we sound like, I mean, I think we're very thoughtful and considerate in the conversation, but I think there's a lot of wealth of insight that could have been provided from a, a, a female perspective on that movie specifically on, on a lot of this oh, stuff, I agree. but right. specifically on right. that. So that would be my answer to the, my answers to that question. Well, Mr. Lackey, uh, oh boy. I, I have a question for you. Um, no, it's actually a good one. I think um, I'm curious because like you, you know, you come loaded with so much more, experience with a lot of these films one i can't remember other than like super current stuff like the conjuring 2 or a quiet place like movies that were new at all to you but that's not primarily my question my question is has doing fear of god stuff kind of 
made you reevaluate any particular films you can think of that we've covered? Like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. one, maybe ones you had a specific perspective on going in that then the conversation itself reveals whole new sort of vistas of conversation or discussion during it. Do you know what I mean? Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have two answers to that. So one was, and, and in both cases, I saw the films, didn't care much for them, but prep for the show raised them in my esteem. Um, so one was just because of the film itself and because of what I thought of it. And the other one was directly because of our conversation. So um, I had always in the Universal Monsters series, I had never cared much for the mummy. You know, it was like pretty low on that totem pole. But in prepping to have a conversation about it, I was really sort of galvanized by a lot of what I began to see in it and some of the sort of spiritual parallels that I was scratching at in that conversation. So prepping for the conversation really elevated my esteem for the film as a whole, maybe because of what I brought to it or whatever. But that was one where like having to talk about it for the show made me reevaluate like its overall quality and my overall feelings about it. The other one that I went into it I, I always liked the movie, but I was never very like affectionate towards the movie. Um, but then our conversation, I frequently go back to thinking about the movie in the context of our conversation. And it always uh, sort of encourages and bolsters and emboldens me. Uh, and that's Green Room, of all things. Because huh. um, I liked Green Room when I first saw it, but I didn't know whatever. And then we covered it because it was relatively current. It was on the list of possibility. But then in the conversation, this whole idea of like, sometimes you just got to go punk. Uh, really, like, <laughs> that's awesome it did it, like it, it did it reframed uh my thoughts and feelings about that film in a way that i frequently go back to so that's my uh so yeah those those two specifically come to mind when i'm asked that that's cool man that's cool um well you know we need to start uh winding down so is there a theme <laughs> is there a theme of 100 episodes of fear God? i'm just kidding um we're not gonna wow. talk about theme but what we are gonna do is we are going to just for a minute here talk about some thoughts some ideas on the horizon we did ask you guys for you know hey if you could sort of dictate certain elements that we cover in the next you know just hypothetically speaking 100 episodes you know what are some ideas we've got some stuff we're gonna throw in for this um I am going to, Reed doesn't know I'm doing this. I'm going to uh, lead the charge here. We love a series at the Fear of God. We love, <laughs> there's something fun about just sort of hunkering down and, you know, discussing some similarly toned or similarly thematic pieces of uh, art. Um, so we do have a series starting next week. Can I do it, Reed? Be my guest. So, um, we're, we just turned a hundred, we just turned a hundred and you know, what better time to just really capitalize on our success? What better way we, we looked to Hollywood, um, to capitalize on the success of this first hundred volume, uh, hundred episode volume of the fear of God. And we said, you know what? Let's just do a sequel. We'll phone it in. You know? We'll just take what's been take what's been good and just sort of as as um, uh, Chris Rock used to you do a bit about Robitussin. We'll just pour a little water in it and shake it up. More Tussin. All right. So here's a, here we're gonna pour some water in the last hundred episodes. Shake it up and just give you a little diluted version back. So we oh are God. we are starting next week. And man, if you don't laugh. 
at this the title of this series, go back and listen to the last three months or or this year or the last two years and, and find the common thread here. We are next week beginning a title, a series affectionately titled hashtag number two. Um, <laughs> we are going to be, it's a three episode series where we are going to be covering sequels, a couple of sequels, because what better to do once you've had some success than pour some water in it, shake it up and throw out a sequel. So, Read. Why don't? Okay, I've introduced the concept, the series. Why don't you tell them what we're going to be covering oh, I'm in so the excited. month of September um, on the fear of God? It's we're aiming high, man. We are going. We yes, you and we I, are. you and I yes, like to are. be real high minded um, with kind of the stuff we cover. We don't <laughs> want torture porn. We don't want just anything that's sort of just bottom of the barrel. What are we covering? What's it, right out of the gate? Well, well, tell no. About, I'm going to tell us about hashtag number two. I'm going to tell them where the where the next couple of films are going in that series. So we're going to I mean, there's a plethora of sequels in the horror genre, but we're actually going to revisit a couple of conversations that we were really encouraged by. And because they're a little bit more recent in our catalog, we're going to tag in on a couple of sequels. We're going to follow up uh, the Purge conversation with the Purge Anarchy. Uh, and we are going to follow up the Creep conversation by I'm going to subject Nathan to Creep 2. <laughs> um, but before we do that. Next week, listeners, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to launch the hashtag number two. We couldn't, we couldn't just pick one. These, both of these, these, these franchises that I'm going to mention have a multitude of sequels, but we couldn't just pick one of them. We couldn't just pick one of one of their sequels. Ladies and gentlemen, The Fear of God, episode 102, will be none other than Freddy versus Jason. Woo! Freddy <laughs> versus Jason. Yeah. So, yes. So, uh, oh, I am over the moon. I'm gleefully excited that we are going to actually cover Freddy versus Jason on this show. I cannot wait. I cannot believe it. And I cannot wait. So hopefully you guys are going to be excited about that. We've also we got a lot of feedback from you guys on some different things to try. We're going to look into some different ways that you guys can engage with us. And, And on that on that horizon, I mean, coming up in October, we're we're in September right now, but coming up in October is going to be hashtag I love the 80s. The listener voted on favorite episodes of the 80s, favorite uh, horror films of the 80s. That's exciting. Uh, just like we did for hashtag I love the 90s. You should see uh, in the social media feeds some uh, surveys divvying out what your favorite films are for uh, for the 80s. So we're coming up on that. Um, also, maybe even looking into occasional video episodes or maybe even some merchandise. So there's lots of suggestions. We we were really appreciative to all of our listeners who, who chimed in on stuff. We're going to be looking at all of that. You want to you want to just you want to just chime it in? Let's you want to just, just leave them with that? You know, yes. right. I mean, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we've prattled on for near on two hours now, and your actual episode's probably closer to two and a half. Um, you guys have been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on this crazy journey. We do not think lightly of the amount of involvement and engagement you guys have provided. It is a significant source of sort of comfort and encouragement and support to us. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of this read. Thank you so much for inviting me along on this. Oh gosh. Insane yes. bonkers weirdo journey. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't imagine anyone else I would join for this craziness. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, thank you all listeners. And we will see you next week.
for the next hundred. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Is that you blowing on the back of my head? Years ago, my friends asked me to We found a book. It awoke something in the woods. That book is awesome. Something. Ha, ha, ha.